Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, we're recording on a cold Saturday in February from our home in Salt Lake City. Um, we appreciate our reviewers, especially those that are going to Apple and leaving a review. Thank you. I've been reading those reviews and really appreciate the feedback. It helps to get more people engaged in the podcast. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Deborah Schoen, and I'll introduce Deborah. Deborah and her husband live in St. George. Um, they're the parents of nine children, two grandchildren, and their second oldest son, Hunter, is gay. He's 27 years old, and Deborah is just going to share the story of being a mom of a gay son. It's a beautiful story, and Hunter's in a wonderful spot doing wonderful things, but it's also a difficult story at times. Um, not that you've made any mistakes, but it's just an unusual road to walk as an LDS parent. Um, we have known the Shones for a long time. We were in the same high school together here in Salt Lake City before they went to St. George. Just a great family, a golfing family, an outdoors family, a family that just knows how to be family. And Deborah's been somebody and her husband that I've really admired and their family. We're also here with Deborah's mother, Catherine Pedersen. And Catherine. Peterson. Peterson, um, spelled P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N. S-E-N, sorry. S-E-N, let's spell her name right. Thank you. Um, and Catherine's the grandmother of Hunter, and she will probably share some of her thoughts about her grandson. Catherine and her husband, Bob, who died two years ago, are just great people here in the Sully community. Many know them. My mission president and his wife, Ellis, and Katie Ivory are dear friends with Catherine and Bob, and they have been examples to me of family and service and goodness. And um, they're part of the story of being wonderful grandparents to their gay son, Hunter. And so Catherine coincidentally is here, and we may hear some thoughts from Catherine. But thanks to both of you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's just have you start, Deborah. Just tell us about Hunter and when, you first, when he first came out to you, well, or wherever you want to start. Thank you for having us on today. It's so fun to be able to be here and be in your home. I think back to our boys playing golf together. That's right. Actually, and so get to know you a little bit that way. And then all of us, and and also your son was good friends with my grandparents who lived in your neighborhood. So it's fun to make the connections here. And of course, it's fun to be here with my mom. She came as a support and I'm anxious to hear from her, just her relationship with my son. I think that's one of the biggest reasons that it's, it's been so easy. And for me to be able to share the story today is because the support system that I've had around me is amazing. And I'm grateful to have her here today. So thanks mom for coming. Um, Hunter, Hunter is going to be 27 this May. He is a phenomenal person that is going to change the world. Is that a bragging mom for you? It's true. You know, I can, I can tell you that um, I absolutely love and adore him. And my kids would tell you that as well, that sometimes they think he's one of my favorite. But we'll never tell, will we? Um, Hunter first, I think, realized that he was gay at a very young age. And of course, it crossed my mind many times. But as a mother, when you see idiosyncrasies of a child, you would never want to guess or think that your son is gay. And I kept it to myself. I never said anything. I have even had a photographer when Hunter was about five years old. I went to take his picture and I'll never forget. It was the first experience that I had when the photographer said to me, he tilts his head as if he's gay. And I thought, that is weird. That is a weird comment for a photographer to make. And I brushed it off. And Hunter was into acting. He was very smart, normal upbringing. He has a brother that was 18 months older. And it wasn't until Hunter was in the ninth grade that he asked if he could take me for a drive. And we went for a drive I did not see it coming, had no idea what he was going to be saying or what the conversation was going to be about. He was very nervous and we went for a drive and we stopped and he was about 15 at this time. And he said to me very quietly, and it's still very emotional for me because I go back to that day thinking, excuse me, that Hunter was so nervous. I feel bad that 
he was so scared to have to come out and tell somebody, especially his mom. But Hunter turned to me and said, mom, I think I'm gay. A ninth grader. And I remember in that moment, all that came out of my mouth is I love you. I wasn't expecting what I would say, how I would react. But in that moment, I just said, I love you. I wasn't sure actually what that meant in that moment when he actually came out. Well, where do you go from here? What do we do now? Those of you that are listening today that have children or grandchildren that have come out and you don't know how to navigate, it's okay because I think you take each day at a time and it just starts with love. Well, it's interesting having my mom here with me today because she was one of the very first people that I turned to and it wasn't even my husband. I had called my mom and told her and my parents are very active Latter-day Saint members and very strong and, and I wasn't sure how they were going to react and my parents were very supportive, very supportive from the very beginning. And my dad was unsure as well, because he, he knew of some people who were gay, but to have a a family member was a little different. And I don't know, mom, if you remember me calling and talking to that, do you remember that first time? And do you remember your response or any of your feelings during that time? You know, it's interesting to me because um, right from the very beginning, I've always known that Hunter had those tendencies. And so I guess it wasn't a big surprise when you told me. And over the years, I've learned that my responsibility with Hunter is to love. That's all. And then the rest is up to God because he is such an amazing young man. He's just, he's lived with me from time to time. I would rather talk to Hunter than anybody I can think of because he has so much knowledge and he loves the brain. He loves what he's doing. And he spent time in England. I love England. And so we just connect. And um, I'm grateful that I have those feelings because I just love Hunter and I can't imagine life without him. And I'm grateful the church is very important to me and Hunter's very important to me. And they, they coexist on their own. It's okay. And so. uh, I appreciate you saying that. I think by, I'm very fortunate to have such loving parents. And I think that's what made the journey for me Um, so much easier is that my mom and I and my father and my husband, Steve, that we didn't know what we were going to do or how we were going to navigate, but we would do it together. We chose at the time to not have Hunter come out to family. At the time it was more, I have these feelings, I have these tendencies, I, but I'm not going to act upon it. He's a young high school kid about to start his sophomore year at high school. And so he didn't come out to the public, to anyone else. He stayed quiet his sophomore, junior and senior year. And then as soon as he graduated, he actually had a very strong desire to serve a a mission for the LDS church. And knowing his feelings of having same sex attraction, we weren't sure if a mission was the right thing for him. But of course I was excited and wanted to support him and wanted him to serve because I knew that he would be an amazing missionary. So we contacted our mission or our stake president and I contacted my father and wanted to know my dad was a, and my mother and father were a big go-to for me about really understanding and making sure that I'm making the right decision because I trust their decision And so we called the stake president and after meeting with the stake president and talking to Hunter, knowing that he did have the intent that one day he did want to act upon it. He didn't, he wanted to be in love. He wanted to have a relationship and he had a very strong attraction to men. And so we decided at that time not to have him serve a mission. 
So he decided to start his career and go on to college. And he actually went to Oxford right out of high school. And, and then he applied for a lot of schools and he got the Sterling Scholar um, Award and a lot of other scholarships and actually had the opportunity to kind of go anywhere he wanted to go. And he chose BYU. BYU offered him a full ride scholarship and um, all expenses paid for. The church had contacted him and asked him to do some wonderful videos about indexing for the church with Elder Bednar. And Hunter became very engaged and very active at BYU and loved his experience there. But um, while Hunter was at BYU, he started to work on a paper with a professor there that was going to be published at the end of his graduation. That's cool. What an accomplishment. Huge accomplishment and hours and hours of time. Like he was really in, it, working hard on this paper. So while Hunter was at BYU for three and a half years, for almost towards graduation, Hunter never acted upon it. He always knew he was gay. He was too busy with school, too busy with work, and had a a friend that was a girl that he hung out with full time. And he had disclosed to her that he was gay at BYU. Well, this is a few years ago. And so, of course, you don't want anyone to find out that you have those feelings. And he did start hanging out with a boy that would come to his apartment and they would spend more and more time together. And there were photographs of him not doing anything, just having a friend, a guy come over to the apartment. This girl was very jealous. She actually loved Hunter, knew he was gay and would have loved to have married Hunter knowing that she loved him and he would be a fantastic husband. And he, knowing he was gay, said that wouldn't be fair. So she decided to go to Honor Code about a month before graduation. And she told Honor Code that Hunter's gay. And she had photographs of this boy entering the apartment, which is no problem. And the hard part that I have with that is that Honor Code didn't take the benefit of the doubt. Honor Code didn't contact Hunter's parents, didn't contact um, us to be able to go in and sit down and meet with them. Honor Code gave Hunter a 24-hour eviction notice, which not only was for BYU, but the apartment building he was living in was BYU approved. And he literally had 24 hours to be out of the apartment. And again, I, I called my parents and said, what do I do? And we didn't have much choice at that point. And my parents were very gracious to allow Hunter to be able to come up and move in to him while we kind of navigated through this time. It was a very dark time. Again, very emotional, very hard because we, we had a, such a great love for Hunter and a great love for BYU. But the mistreatment that he received during this time is very sad and kind of changed the road that he was taking for the future and where, where it would lead him. Do you remember that time, mom Hunter coming and staying at your house and, and helping you? And I do, I, I'm grateful again for the support that we had during this time, a lot of anger, a lot of anger toward BYU because my parents are huge supporters of BYU. My grandparents are big supporters of BYU. And my husband graduated from BYU, not only with an undergraduate, but with a master's degree in business. And I thought, how can they kick out a child so quickly without us even telling our side, like really sad? Well, we did talk to Honor Code for quite a while and it got kind of to a point that they said he couldn't graduate which was like in three or four weeks, he would need to retake the semester. And very quickly, things were spiraling out of control. The professor that he had working, he had been working on the paper for four years. Immediately, they removed his name from this paper that was going to be published. Big, huge. 
this was not just a little thing. This was Hunter's life. He had dedicated four years at BYU to work on this paper. Super sad that they did it. They are doing all of this so quickly because of one girl going to honor code saying that my son has same sex attraction and had not even been in a relationship or had proof. And even if he had let him tell his side, I, it was dark. It was hard. Hunter felt at times that it would be better to take his life that so many young boys in the past years have chosen to do because they feel like, I remember Hunter said to me, mom, I feel like it would be better to take my life than to have people find out that I'm gay. And I remember looking at him and saying, I don't care if you're gay. I would rather have you here and be, a, be an amazing person and change the world and be gay. It doesn't matter. And those that are listening today that maybe have had a son or daughter come out and you are struggling with them and maybe you've kicked them out or maybe you've told them you can't be part of our family because of your sexual orientation. How dare you a little bit? I, I, I'm sorry to call you out, but these are children of God. And I have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have a gay son. And I think in that moment, what would God do? What would God, if he was standing there, would he throw the first stone? And I think so many of us are so quick to judge and hurt these, these men and women and these boys and girls all the way down to 12 years old. I know a little boy who took his life because he felt so different and so unloved. Having my mom here today, she exemplifies the word love. I don't know anyone who loves my son more, maybe me, but she has such a great love and relationship for my son. And she is a strong Latter-day Saint woman that has friends that don't understand and that maybe judge. And to be able to see her and her example of how we've kind of plowed the way and how we've navigated through this, we didn't know anyone. I didn't have... Stephanie Larson in my life with the Encircle House that is doing so many good things today. And I just talked to um, Jacob Dunford this week that works with the Encircle House, and he shared his story with me. And I think there are so many great, incredible resources out there for people to be able to go to today. The church is coming around. It's, it's taken them some time. They're a little slow in some of their decisions, but am I a strong Latter-day Saint woman? I am. And so many people ask me all the time, how can you stay in a church that doesn't accept or love your son? And my answer to them is very much like my mother said at the beginning of the podcast, that they can coexist but I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we're navigating together, but it all starts with love. You know, Deborah, I, I just feel that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the church you're talking about, um, I feel like they are struggling with this too, because all Christian churches believe the same as far as... Uh, homosexuals are concerned. And I think they're struggling. They're trying to take one step at a time. What can we do to be more inclusive? What can we do to be more loving? And they're struggling. They're trying. And so you have to be grateful that they're working with it, that they're trying to make it um, so that we don't have experiences like Hunter had. Well said, Catherine and Deborah. Um, Thanks for being so honest about just everything that's gone on so far in Hunter's life. Uh, I go back to the BYU experience, and I think what's my responsibility as kind of an outsider 
here as a Latter-day Saint when you share that story with me. And I think five or 10 years ago, my response would have been to um, sort of defend BYU and and, minim- and potentially minimize the pain of the experience. So it probably wasn't that bad, or did they really say that? And and I recognize if I do that, I add to your burden and Hunter's burden. I, I make you prove it all over again, that it's really, and I've just learned that as a committed Latter-day Saint, I can hold both spaces. I can hold my belief in the church and I can hold the painful experience and the shortcomings of the institutional side of our church. And so to me, holding that pain and validating that pain is what I should be doing as a Latter-day Saint and, and not dismissing it or giving a quick platitude that'll all work out in the next life or, you know, I just recognized, you know, you have to think about that experience that Hunter went through three years of college, his name on the paper, um, heroically doing the very best he can as a gay Latter-day Saint contributing and then have that experience happen to him. It's just brutal. And it would trigger thoughts of suicide. It would trigger just incredible emotional challenges that may have already been there. Where does Hunter go from here in order to finish college? He's in a neuroscience. He was looking for a neuroscience degree. And what colleges in Utah have that? And so he fell at Westminster College that had an amazing program. And what people don't understand is that one semester at BYU, because many of the credits did not transfer it took Hunter a year at Westminster to make up that one semester at BYU and about $70,000 because we had to then pay for it out of our own pocket where BYU was on scholarship and Westminster was amazing for Hunter. And the experience for Hunter there was exactly what he needed. It was all inclusive. It was very loving. He then went on to, was asked to do a TED talk on Alzheimer's. He was working with Alzheimer's of Utah at that time and doing research and, and even being able to, I went with actually my husband and I went with my parents to see Hunter's TED talk. And the person that I was describing a minute ago at BYU to the person he was at Westminster was Hunter evolving, Hunter finding himself, Hunter realizing what he wanted to do in his life. And as much and as hard as BYU was, Hunter wasn't the true person that Hunter could be because he had to be a very private gay person at BYU and not tell anyone and who wants to hide who you love and what you want to do and be yourself. And during that year at Westminster, if you ask all my other children, the person that Hunter started to be became more relaxed. I want to tell you a a quick story. I was talking to Hunter not too long ago and Hunter said to me, um, Mom, I think so many people, the parents are not quite caught up to the children that have come out, whether they're transgender or gay or lesbian or whatever that the parents, it takes us so long to catch up to them. And Hunter explained the analogy to me that you have a bridge and you have your child on one side and you have your, the parents on the other side. And most of us would think, oh, well, we're going to start walking towards each other. We're going to meet in the middle and we're going to figure things out. And Hunter said, that's where everybody gets it wrong. What these kids need today is they need the parents to cross the bridge, come all the way over to us. Then let's cross the bridge together. Why are so many saying to these kids, come, come here, we'll figure it out. But half of that road that these kids are having to go through are having to do it alone. Nobody wants to do it alone. I had the support of my husband, my kids, my parents, the bishop, the stake president. It was all very new to us. We navigated each day in each experience. We took one thing after another. 
But if there's one thing that I can get through in this podcast today is I don't have all the answers. It's not going to be easy, but we, we just need to love our children. Let them know that you love them. When was the last time you told them that you loved them? It's like my cute son calls my mom and she sincerely cares about what he's doing, not just on the surface. To me, when I hear stories of mom at, at her church, and do you remember one time, like talking to a friend or someone saying something about gays and what was your reaction? Do you remember that? It's about being in Relief Society and somebody starts to talk about gays and, and talk about the face to an having a face to the cause. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, she doesn't recall it, but I remember talking to her after release society. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. You're talking about, um, I had a friend that said, Oh, I just can't believe all these things that are happening, you know, and gays and why can't they just be regular? And, and I said, unless you've had a son or a grandson, or someone that you really love, you probably don't understand. Because all of our lives, we want our kids to get married, and we want them to live hap- happy lives. And and um, and I still want that for Hunter. I want that. And, you know, it makes me a little bit um, weepy right now just thinking about Hunter, because I guess I haven't stopped long enough to really think about Hunter's journey and what he's had to go through. And I am so grateful to a God, and I feel like has helped me to just love because it's easy for me to just love. I I don't think of him as being um, homosexual or something. I mean, it just doesn't, he's just one of my buddies. He's just one of my best friends. I love what Catherine just said. And I don't know if I mentioned this before we started, but Catherine has um, eight children, seven that are alive, 29 grandchildren, 22 great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Her dear husband, Bob, left about two years ago, died. He didn't choose to leave. He wanted <laughs> to be here, fought really hard. But I love what you just taught, Catherine. And I love the power of what you just said. Until you have somebody you love that's gay, um, it's a, it's another group of people. It's sort of this other group of people that we seem to think is an outside threat. But Hunt, when you get to know someone like Hunter, the way you two women know Hunter, then it just changes everything. That's what changed for me as a singles ward bishop. Um, and I sometimes think we get this false dichotomy that to fully love God um, and fully follow him, we need to stop loving some of his children. And one of the things both of you ladies are teaching that that's a false dichotomy that in fact, the way we show God, we love him and we follow him is the way we treat other people. Um, And all of God's children are the same children. So that's one of the things I think we're learning is is to do that better. Um, Talk about Hunter coming out to siblings. I know there's a sweet story of um, Skylar, I believe him coming out too. But just share more of his coming out with the family. Or anywhere else want to go on this podcast. No, you're good. I um it's interesting that so many times it's easy when a child tells you that. And it's easy to keep it suppressed or maybe keep it within your personal um circle of friends or family. But it's very hard the more that pe- as people find out, it becomes very uncomfortable. And I remember because I didn't know anyone, I didn't have any resources that the first time I started to tell friends, just saying it out loud, did you know Hunter's gay? I have a gay son. Saying those words, I was amazed how many people were accepting and loving because they knew Hunter. And it's scary. It's scary to come out. I talked to a young man with Hunter, one of his dear friends that's gay in London. And he said that he's been gay for about 15 years and he has a partner. I met his partner. They're amazing guys that, but he's never allowed to tell his grandmother. So when he goes to his grandmother's house, he has to not talk about it. Nobody knows 
and she's like 91 and the parents have said, we never want her on this earth to know that you're gay. And I actually started crying with him and I thought that's so sad. So many other people are going through the same thing that you're helping other people. My youngest brother, my mother's youngest son, um, died from a drug overdose and excuse me. And I remember again, mom telling me that when she could verbally say that out loud and talk about David's death and how he died, more people came up to her saying, I had no idea that your son died that way. I have a family member that struggles with drug addiction. I have a grandson that struggles with this and I find and see my mother helping other people because she's been through that, but it hasn't always been that case for everyone. I think because we, our first instinct is don't tell anyone. I don't want them to know I'm embarrassed and I don't talk about Hunter being gay. I have nine children. I don't talk about my children who are straight as if he's any different. And I have had people come up to me before saying, you know, tell me about now, which one of your children is gay. And I've always thought that's so weird in the sense that does it matter? It doesn't matter. Why are we making such a big deal about it? But you ask how, yeah, go ahead. I'd love it. You know, uh, maybe about a month ago, I think Hunter was coming for Christmas and he came in and I was having a luncheon at my home and I happened to mention that he was in neurosurgery and he spends half of his time in London and half of his time in uh, Washington, D.C. And my friends started asking him questions and probably 10 or 15 minutes later, we kind of stopped. We could have gone on for hours because they just loved what he was saying. I had them call me after and say, he is the most delightful, most fun man. We just were so happy that he came, you know, that day because he just made the day. And I think that's probably the whole point is, is let's just love each other. Let's just, I mean, I'm 80 years old now. And um, I look back on my life and I'm just so grateful that I don't have any of those, those feelings. And so grateful that Hunter, you know, is, has talked about his life and how happy he is. And, and so um, I love it's that. fun to be able I to love talk that, about Catherine. it. Yeah. I love that. Isn't she so insightful? She I is. Love I'm it. so glad she's but here. But you did ask how I kind of came out and yeah, not the only the to the rest of the family and My point to that is get talking, you know, and that's where I I wanted to go with that is sometimes we're not outwardly talking about our children who are gay. And I think the very first time that I kind of publicly told everybody that I have a gay son was in 2017, Hunter had talked to a friend who worked for the Spectrum in St. George, Utah, and he agreed to let her write a newspaper article about suicides amongst um, teenage kids who are, who are gay. And the article talked about how many kids are taking their lives and how many parents are not accepting of the children and many are kicked out of their homes. And, and Hunter actually called me and said, Oh, by the way, I did this news article and by the way, it's going to be published in St. George and it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow. (laughs) And I remember thinking, whoa, this is my community, my friends. And I haven't openly talked outside of my inner circle that our son is gay. And I immediately just thought I'm going to get in front of this and did a Facebook post saying I have nine amazing children. One of them happens to be gay. It doesn't change who he is. I love him. This is a real problem that kids are taking their lives because they don't feel loving, loved and accepted. And something's got to change. And here is the news article. And I got to tell you that the response that I received from that news article 
was mind blowing to me because I had no idea. Like I talked about my little brother dying from a drug overdose. Once I put it out there, the friends in the community that came out of the woodwork, wives of general authorities, people that are very intertwined in the church, sharing my post. I think it was shared like a hundred times that I thought this is so needed. We've got to keep talking about this. We need to put it out there and stop like you are these podcasts and the things that you've done and the convention, you know, I, I saw you at one of your seminars in St. George that people need to do more talking and on that note, I had a son, Skylar, that was serving a mission in Paraguay, and we decided while he was on his mission not to tell him that Hunter was gay. And during that time, I'm, I got way ahead of myself in this podcast. So if you can follow a little bit, I apologize because this was way before the Facebook post, but it was during the time when I told you that Hunter wanted to serve a mission. And because they're 18 months apart, the boys in our church serve a mission every two years. And so Hunter would be out on his mission while Skylar was serving. And when we decided not to have him serve a mission, I wrote Skylar and told him that his brother would not be serving, but did not tell him why. And it was very hard for Skylar. He said to this day, it was the hardest day of his entire mission because he knew what a great missionary hunter would be and didn't understand why he would, he would not serve. But throughout the next few months, Skylar started teaching a man that was interested in baptism and Skylar was telling us about him and, and each letter every week, the letter would be encouraging. And this man is amazing and we love teaching him. And then all of a sudden we get a letter saying, we're not baptizing him. And I remember asking Skylar why. And he said, well, he just came out that he's gay. He has, he's not gay. He has same sex attraction, but he would like to be baptized. Well, Skylar didn't know anyone in his life that was gay. He was not familiar with it. And it was very, he knew it was against our church. And so his response was, we're done. We can't teach you anymore. And because I was in the depth of his brother's sorrow, and because I was in dealing with this, I wrote back to Skylar and I said, you left this man when he needed you the most. Shame on you. Because that's what our missionaries today are there for is to teach and bring those unto, unto God. It's not up to us to choose if they're going to be accepted or not. It's not for you or I to say, is it okay for him to come to our church or be involved? It's for us to be able to be love and accepting and for Skylar to turn around and walk away from this man that had a testimony of the gospel and wanted to be baptized when he needed them the most and for him to walk away. Shame on you. And he didn't understand why. So then Skylar returns home from his mission and for did Skyler ever find this, did this guy ever join he the didn't. church? He just, so it never, he didn't, he was okay. transferred soon after okay. I've asked Skyler since then, if he remembers and he doesn't know if other missionaries, but it's all part of the journey. Sure. It's all part of the experience. And Skyler so in his Skyler defense comes, okay. would say, I did the best that I could at the time. Yeah. He didn't know any better. He was following the guidelines of what he knew. Good. And Skylar was a fantastic, amazing missionary. But because I was going through it with his brother and couldn't tell him, it was very difficult. So Skylar returns home from his mission. During that week, Skylar every single day is like, I wish you would go. I wish you would go. Why don't you serve a mission? And finally, I remember saying, you and you in the living room. I want to talk to you both. And I remember Hunter came in with me, sat on the couch next to me and Skylar was sitting on the piano bench. And I said, can we say a prayer? And the spirit was so strong in the room. And I said to Skylar, I need to tell you why your brother did not choose to serve a mission. And he's like all ears, like, yeah, tell me. And almost not defensive, but really wanted to know. And then I said, Hunter didn't choose not to serve a mission. Hunter is actually gay. That moment 
is one of many that will all, always hold dear to me because Skylar fell to his knees and just cried. And then he stood up, he walked over to his brother, he took him in his arms and the two of them embraced. And I remember as a mother, here is this missionary coming home from a mission, following the guidelines of the church, hard to understand and follow that, his, or understand and to hear that his brother is gay. But he turns to his brother and he said, I love you, bro. And everything's going to be okay. And you know what? From that moment on, everything's been okay. And what's so great from that moment on, it gave me as their mother, the strength to one by one throughout that next year, pull each of my children aside and on their own accord or reason, tell them about their brother. And not one of them was angry. Not one of them was frustrated or mad. How dare he? This is not right. And throughout that year, I saw our family come closer and boy, it's fun as a mom. Like I applaud each and every one of them because they have hunters back. And when we're in a situation, I remember I was doing a dance at my house, like a girl's preference with dates. And I had big tables set up in my, in my house and all the guys and girls were there and the conversation got off on gays. And some of the guys in high school were bashing gays and how dumb. And my two girls were there and it was new to them. And I watched them stand up and said, please don't say that. And they didn't at the time say my brother's gay, but they stopped the conversation. And for those of you that are listening that are not comfortable with the topic or not comfortable yet to come out and talk openly about it, you stop the negative conversations. You stop don't allow people to go in that space. I remember I had a friend, I was at a girls basketball game and it was when gays could be in scouting. And he turned to me and he started to laugh like, Oh heck no. Is my son going to be in scouts? If there's gay guys that are going to be scout leaders. And I, in that moment to her turned to him and I said, Mike, do you know that my son Hunter is gay? And he turned so quickly And his conversation, his light, because he turned to me and he said, I had no idea. And he loves Hunter. And it's like my mom said, it's those that don't have a face to the cause or a face to, they don't know anyone that's gay. So it's easy to talk negative about it. And until you've been there, until you've, you have a grandson or a son or a neighbor, or maybe you have no one related to you that's gay that you've met a young man, or maybe you just feel like you're put here on this earth to help save some lives and navigate through this. You, it's our right. And I'm put on this earth to be able to help others, but also stop the negative conversations because it's just our job in the end to love. Well, that story of Skylar and Hunter brought tears to my eyes. Catherine passed me a tissue as she saw the tears coming down my eyes. That's a beautiful family moment. I don't know if it gets any better than that. Sometimes the best family moments are where real stuff happens and real conversations happen. And we come together to heal each other. Talk about, you can go back. I want to make sure in this last segment, we talk about the pride flag that's and your feelings about that and what you've done in your around your home. Yeah, it's interesting that I talked about in 2017 I did a Facebook post about my son being gay and I had never honest I I'm on social media. I love the platform. It can be very positive. You can find podcasts and and I follow very positive people, but I had never again publicly on social media posted that about my, my gay son. And I, all of a sudden, not realizing that during pride week this year, 2019. So I guess last year I realized I was leaving town and I thought, Oh my gosh, it's pride week. I've got to pull out my flag. I'm going to hang it up in my yard. 
And I went out and I got some ribbon and I tied it off my upper balcony and I left town. And I remember driving down my street and seeing that flag hang off of my balcony. And it just brought joy to my face because I think I have such a love for anyone that is struggling and want them to know that my house is a safe home, that if they need help, they can come to me and I'm going to be there. So I happened to take a picture of the flag hanging off my balcony and I went in, Pride Week was over and I took down the flag and I happened to put the the picture of my Pride flag hanging off my balcony and this was what I wrote. It was Pride Week last week in Southern Utah, so we hung a flag outside of our home in support of our LGBTQ community. To be honest, I would love to leave it up every day of every week, all year long. As most of you know, we have a gay son whom we love, adore, and support. He's quite amazing and is going to change the world. His sexual orientation does not change who he is, nor does it matter. So many sons and daughters of God are hiding and are afraid to come out. Many take their life. All feel judged at one point or another, and maybe hang, hanging my flag outside my home made you feel uncomfortable. If it did, something needs to change. I'm not asking you to agree with them if it's against your religious beliefs. I'm just asking you to show unconditional love towards them. It hasn't been an easy journey, and I haven't changed, uh, and I have changed and grown along the way. If you are a part of the LGBT com community, I love you. My home is always open. And remember, you are beautiful and loved. Well, again, mind-blowing responses. My DMs, direct messages filled up. The comments, the times that people shared my post. And again, I am brought to the point of, we need to be talking about this like you are, and we need to be able to be open about it and accepting. If your child's recently come out to you, I'm not going to tell you the journey is going to be easy. I'm going to tell you that it's going to be hard and you're going to have the days where you're going to fall to your, that your knees by yourself and you're going to cry and you're going to feel very much alone you're going to come to the point that it's going to maybe against your re religious beliefs and you're going to be at a crossroads where it's how can the two coexist and you're going to need to dig down deep inside and figure out how you can have a comfortable, be in a comfortable place between your God and, and your child. I have no problem. I know that Heavenly Father loves my son. I know that Heavenly Father loves me. And I was put here on this earth to be Hunter's mother and just to love him. And when I posted a simple little social media post about my flag, and it makes people uncomfortable. In Southern Utah, there was someone that went and took a flag out of someone's yard and burned it. And I think we, we have to do our part. Again, if you're listening, are you doing your part? Are you doing what you're supposed to? Don't worry about everyone else. Worry about what you can do to maybe make a, a difference in this world, how you can love someone today. And maybe Pride Week this year, I challenge you to hang a flag outside your home. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people because what you're saying is you're putting it out there like I'm an LGBTQ ally. I am okay. And I'm accepting of this. Maybe that's not your thing. And maybe it's not your thing to, to walk into the pride, pride parade, or be a part of that. Find what you can do, what you can, how you can help. And at the end of the day, that's all I can do. I mean, this is my story. There may be parts of it that you disagree with, and that's okay. There may be parts of it that made you angry because you're mad at BYU for how they treated my son. That's okay. But we did the best that we could knowing what we know at the time. I have to applaud the church that they're trying. I have to applaud that they are trying to make changes and trying to find a space for this community that feels so neglected and, and so hurt. And I hope that in the future we can come closer together. 
I don't know what the future holds. I'm making my decisions based on today. And all I know is I love my son, gay or straight, and that my kids love my son. My mother loves my son. And that's all we can do. And then go out and change the world, make a difference and do your part to be able to let these kids know that they are loved. Well said. Um, I think I'll just share some final thoughts and we'll see if either of you have any final thoughts. I just a great podcast from both of you. Very powerful. Um, I love the St. George community. Mayor Pike, your mayor's been on our podcast. He's active LDS and like you, he want, he sort of said, I want to be the mayor of everybody. Um, and so he's been really, I think he's very involved in the encircle that's opening in St. George. And I love the way he... Side note, it's interesting. John Pike served a mission with my husband. Really? Yeah. In Cape Town, South Africa. That's, that is a small world. Yeah. And so I think more active LDS are recognizing this isn't a dichotomy where to love and support LGBT people, I somehow have to compromise my belief or my, it's actually all the same thing, that it is the doctrine of Christ to love everybody. It's not like you've got to invent stuff to do what naturally I think we want to do is to love everybody and what you're teaching. And I've recognized God's love for LGBTQ people. I've shared this on the podcast at times, but often I'm asked to give a blessing to an LGBTQ people I met with. And I remember the first person I gave a blessing to that was no longer in the church. Um, and I thought, well, and I was struck and a little rebuked by this spirit because even though this young man separated from the church, he was not outside of God's love. And God, I felt God's love for him um, and in ways that I'd never thought possible. And I recognized that I was giving a priest a blessing to one of Heavenly Father's finest children. Um, it sort of reminded me of Elder Gay's talk when he gave a blessing to a sister at her passing and she was never fully active in the church. And he had just kind of seen her through those eyes. Um, and he was a little rebuked by the spirit as he released her from life. Now that's a different experience, but I just recognize that some that do step away from the church, I just say that our job is to do what you two are doing is to love them and leave it the savior's feet and keep our family circled together and recognize the unique and difficult journey and pass no judgment. Um, I think that's just consistent with the teachings of our church. Any final comments, Deborah or Catherine? Well, I appreciate you having us on today. It's been fun to be able to share our story as hard as it is. I hope that anyone listening today, <clears throat> maybe it can help you in some way. And I feel like I'm just trying to do my small part. And it's been fun being here with my mom. I feel the same way. I, I feel that as I'm listening to the podcast and the work that you have done, uh, I appreciate that it's all inclusive and we don't have to separate. We just need to stand together and, and be all inclusive with our, our members and non-members and, and those that we love so much. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine Peterson, one of my heroes. You and your husband, Bob, have been somebody my wife and I have loved and looked up to for a long time. You. Your parents have been great examples in our lives. They're both gone, but we love them and love you. And and Deborah, Sean, thank you. You're closer to my age. You're younger. <laughs> but we sure admire you and your family and, and what you're teaching us. So thanks, both of you. Um, for being on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Mm -hmm.